This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Daniel. Daniel writes, Hi, Dr. Easley. I'm a relatively new listener to your show, but I'm already so grateful for the insight you've provided to my daily growth and understanding our beautiful faith. Very kind. Thanks, Daniel. I do have a very difficult question that I was hoping you (laughs) could help me and my wife answer. We've been following a chronological Bible study plan together since the new year, and we're really struggling to get through portions (laughs) of the Old Testament. You're not alone, Daniel. Namely, places where God's wrath is in the foreground. After reading about the rebellion of Korah, we were hit with a very troubling question about God's rightness to not only punish those who rebelled, but their children Mm -hmm. as well. We know that God is sovereign and his ways are higher than ours, and that's so far been the only real answer to our struggle. Do you have further biblical insight of why God would kill or order the death of children, infants, or otherwise, quote-unquote, innocent people on account of the sins of their parents? Anything you can offer would be helpful. God bless you and Hannah in your ministry. Well, again, thanks for listening, Daniel, yeah. and great, insightful question. Yeah. Let me give a little shout-out before we delve into this. We interviewed Paul Copan. Oh, Copan. Co- okay, yeah. C-O-P-A-N. He has three books, and mm-hmm. we interviewed him on the book, Is God a Vindictive Bully? Mm-hmm. I did not know at the time that was a third a in the third trilogy. Of, yeah. And the other two, Is God a Moral Monster? Yeah. <laughs> and Did God Really Command Genocide? Yeah. And before... He could barely get it out. He goes, the answer is no, no, no. (laughs) And these are academic books. They're not like, you know, 100-page trade paper. They're very thoughtful, and he was a remarkable interview. So if you want to go back, Daniel. Yeah, we can link that in in the show um, notes. It's good to listen to what some of the passages he talked about. Let's start. Obviously, this is going to be a little bit of a long way to get there, Daniel. But let me say first, We have to acknowledge this is the very Word of God. Mm. This is not an opinion. This is not a commentary. When we read Scripture, it's clear. It's His teaching. It's His character, number one. Number two, God's wrath is real. Um, Many have observed that love and wrath are two sides of the same coin. Mm. I think it's a very helpful illustration. I wouldn't push it too far. That God's loving, but in order to love, He must bring wrath. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about more later on on why that's true. Third, we have to acknowledge that there is a heaven and hell and that men everywhere from all time deserve hell, mm. that none of us are good, no, not one. We all have turned away to our own sins. We hate God. But because God is the God of love, mm-hmm. and we know John three sixteen, perhaps too familiar, but God so loved the world that yeah. he sent his only begotten son, And so to satisfy the wrath of God, he has to send Jesus Christ in our place on our behalf instead of us and pour all the sin of humanity Mm -hmm. on his son. He turns his face away, as the hymn writers wrote. Christ endures this horrific, not just physical, but spiritual death from his father. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he overcomes the grave. So the idea that, you know, God's wrath is only to bad people. No, we have to look at the sacrificial system and why he chose to use his son to demonstrate his love. In number 16, this passage is very interesting because Korah's rebellion is against Moses, the servant of God. Mm -hmm. God uniquely chose Moses, and he's still revered among the rabbinic traditions today. Rabbis, Orthodox reform, Moses is the guy. Yeah. Because God spoke to him like a man. He gave him the law. 
He wasn't a prophet. He was Moses. He was the law giver. Mm-hmm. And so he holds a very high place in Judaism and in Christianity. So the rebellion against Moses was rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. So when Korah is shaking his fist and his family's complicit mm-hmm. because the tribal systems, they were one. Right. So they're all guilty in a sense because somebody could have said, wait a minute, you can't do that. Yeah. And evidently they were in agreement. As horrible as it seems, God's judgment is comprehensive. Now, God does not always execute wrath and judgment comprehensively. I would say most of the time doesn't, right? So when we read these passages, genocide comes in our head, killing children. It's a little bit of an unfair label of the story because think about it pragmatically. If he only killed the principles, how would the others feel? Mm. chances are they're going to have a big chip on their shoulder the rest of their lives, Mm -hmm. and that tribal connection would always wear that badge Mm -hmm. and probably be angry, probably be rebellious themselves. Mm -hmm. We can't go there, but it's just a Because we don't know, yeah. Maybe that's part of what is in God's sovereign plan. I want to go to Romans 1, 18 and 19, because it bears out this same issue of the wrath of God For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The wrath of God is revealed. It's easy to be seen by the the Old Testament believer from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which has been known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident within them. So in the Romans passage, all wrath is against all who suppress the truth. Mm -hmm. Korah, they're suppressing the truth that God chose Moses. Mm -hmm. So there's this theme about when wrath comes. This is one of the cases we might say. If you're challenging God, challenging his authority, challenging his word, Mm -hmm. as we'll see in another question about Satan, this is hubris. This is Mm -hmm. the worst sin that we shake our fist against God. Let me also note that his wrath is directed toward ungodliness, unrighteousness, mm-hmm. those who suppress the truth, and those who know what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. Ungodliness, unrighteousness, suppressing the truth, and they know what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. This is something God hates. Psalm 115, but our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. Yeah. I remember the first time I read that verse going, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to Job. Job thirty three thirteen. Yeah. Who are you, a man who answers back to God? Yeah. Paul will appeal to that in Romans nine about the potter and the clay. Jacob and Esau. Jacob, I love Esau. I hated you. Hated Esau. Mm-hmm. The potter can make one vessel for honor, one for dishonor, one for slop, mm. one for a bedpan, if you will. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. He's right. sovereign. Right. Who are you, man, to say that's not fair or unjust or unjust? So. It's unfortunate to our sensibilities that God would kill a people group, a tribe. Mm -hmm. But I also think we don't know the heart of man in that we're all bent. We're all sinners. We're all, you know, going that direction. And maybe the Korites and others in Scripture were to a place that God said, they're not going to repent. Mm -hmm. They're not going to respond. And I must teach Israel a bigger lesson. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira. Right. We talked about that and asked Dr. E some time ago, why did he kill them? 
because they tried to deceive God and his people. Yeah. So there are these third rails, if you will, bad illustration, but sometimes God says enough. Yeah. The bigger question is why doesn't he destroy all of us? Every stinging when day. When we sin, <laughs> yeah, and we, our hearts are corrupt. Yeah. Our thought life, you know. I had a seminary professor who tried to argue, I mean, I don't think he's wrong, and it goes kind of back to your two-sided coin, that God's wrath, which is justice, right, that that actually comes from his character of a loving God and his loving kindness. And and the idea that, you know, for him to take care and redeem his people, for him to make everything right, no pain, no death, no sadness, for, for God to do what he has promised he's going to do, there has to be justice, which means there has to be wrath. Right. It's still a little bit of a mind bender for me, but to think it's out of God's love for his people that justice has to be served, which means his exactly. wrath has to be poured out. And of course, we can take another step back and really easily see this, and God's wrath was poured out on Christ exactly. on our behalf Bingo. Yeah. for us, instead of us. Well, and that's the, the John 3.16, is we look at the demonstrable love, but we don't look at the what you just said, the wrath is poured on Christ yeah. in order for that love to be effective. Yeah. The efficacious work, what Jesus did yeah. in our place on our behalf, what he yeah. does required the wrath of God. There was a penalty that had to be paid. Right. It can't just be, you know, brushed away, right. zero-based accounting. We get a new set of books each year yeah. because we're sinning against a holy God. Yeah. And the only way we can relate to him is if he makes a just payment Mm -hmm. for that penalty, Mm -hmm. and that involved the wrath of God. All right. Well, if you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 